Welcome to the Alger Podcast. Following the podcast, there will be a brief disclosure. Hello, I'm Alex Bernstein, and you're listening to the Alger Podcast, investing in growth and change. It's no surprise that investors have faced a difficult market over the past year. At Alger, we're endeavoring to provide some guidance through this challenging environment with our latest capital markets presentation, Navigating a Weakening Economy, which you can find on Alger.com. Here to take a deep dive with me into that presentation is Alger's Director of Market Strategy, Brad Newman. Brad, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Thanks, Alex. So, Brad, just to start off, what exactly do you mean by a weakening economy? Well, I think it's clear that the Fed wants to slow down economic activity such that inflation will come down because inflation is just too high for their taste. You know, they want it to be more in the two, maybe two to three percent range. And it's in the high single digits, depending on which metric you look at, mid to high single digits. So the way to do that, unless supply chains really ease up, is more through the demand side. And so the Fed's tools to moderate demand would be through higher interest rates. So they're raising interest rates. That's going to slow the economy, slow the number of open jobs per job seeker. And they're hoping to get wage growth to moderate through that dynamic. The watchword with most investors today is recession. Do you think we're in or about to face a recession? I do think we're either just beginning or about to start a recession. The Fed's tools are kind of blunt. So while they would love to very precisely take down the number of job openings per job seeker to one to one, I don't think they're going to be able to just take away excess demand. I think unemployment is going to go up. In fact, the money supply, which grew very strongly over the past couple of years in excess of $6 trillion, we think because of the actions of the Fed raising interest rates and quantitative tightening, you know, reducing the balance sheet will cause the money supply, which is kind of all the money in the economy, checking savings and retail money market, those kinds of things. We think that'll go negative, so decline over the next few months for the first time since 1938, and that'll usher in slower economic activity and a recession. Brad, some investors have been hesitant about purchasing equities and especially growth equities in this market. But you think investors should reconsider growth equities for a number of reasons. One, being the growth, which is usually purchased at a premium, has actually been quite cheap this year. Is that correct? So when we say growth is cheap, I think the easiest thing to point to is the longest duration stocks that have been hurt the most by rising interest rates. And the longest duration equities are small cap growth. Those are the companies with the cash flows furthest in the future because they're early in their maturity uh, life cycle. And when you look at those small cap growth companies, they're trading at just about the lowest levels we've ever observed relative to the broad market. So the S&P 600 growth stocks on a price earnings multiple relative to the S&P 500 is at a 20 to 25% discount when typically it's at a premium. So yeah, we think that there's a lot of value in these long duration growth stocks like small growth that have been beaten down by the rise in interest rates and probably unduly punished to the point where they're now in some cases as cheap as we've ever seen them and in our view portend higher than average returns going forward. But I don't think valuations will stay this depressed for long duration stocks. The market seems to have found a bottom for those stocks. That duration trade seems to be over. I say that because growth outperformed in the third quarter despite rising rates and valuations for some of the longest duration stocks. So the next phase of the market headwinds, I think, is really about declining economic activity. 
and reduction in earnings expectations. And I think growth stocks have proven that they have more resilient fundamentals than other parts of the market. So if you go back to previous recessions, earnings declines for growth stocks have been much less severe than, say, for value stocks. In fact, in 2020, growth stocks held up much better. In fact, small growth stocks actually saw their earnings increase, whereas the rest of the market, particularly value stocks, saw double-digit earnings decline. So we have a lot of data in the capital markets presentation that shows that we think growth stocks are less dependent on economic activity than other parts of the market like value stocks. So we think they'll hold up better in this next phase of the market headwinds. Brad, one thing you underscore in the new capital markets presentation is that you think investors should focus on quality. So how exactly do you define quality in a growth company? So a lot of quality we think has to do with strong margins and balance sheets. So for balance sheets, we've shown that companies with higher levels of debt tend to underperform in recessions. At least that was the case in the past couple of recessions. That's due to probably a couple of reasons. One, if you have a lot of debt, you have a lot of interest expense, and that magnifies any change in revenue onto the bottom line. So for a given decline in revenue, you're going to have a larger decline in earnings if you have more interest expense, all else equal. The other piece of why it's important to have a high quality balance sheet is that you don't want to be dependent on the capital markets to roll that debt over. So if debt comes due and you can't repay that debt, you could just service it. You don't want to have to be at the market's whims to have to reissue that at a very high interest rate. So I think that's why high quality balance sheets are important. High quality margins are also important. And it's similar reasoning. If you have low margins, well, first of all, if you're losing money, then you might be at the whims of the capital markets for financing, equity financing or convertibles. Any kind of fundraising might be difficult in a bad economy. But also, if you have low margins, you generally have higher fixed costs, and higher fixed costs, again, would magnify any decline in revenues onto the bottom line. So we think growth stocks generally have higher margins, particularly higher gross margins and higher return on capital than value stocks, and they generally have much stronger balance sheets than value stocks if you just aggregate up, the, say, the Russell 1000 growth or the Russell 3000 growth. So we think, in general, growth stocks are higher on the quality side than value stocks. Of course, not all are. You have to pick and choose. But at Alger, that's one of the things we focus on is uh, having high-quality companies that are in charge of their own destiny and not dependent on the economy for growth or the capital markets for funding. Another element of high quality that you focus on is strong moats. Can you tell me what you mean by strong moats and why you think they're important? Yeah, right. Good point. So competitive advantage is the ability for a company to earn returns in excess of its cost of capital, which is pretty much what business is all about. If you were just earning returns at your cost of capital, you know, say for a commodity producer, the business wouldn't be a very good business. So all companies strive to earn returns above their cost of capital. And to do that, they need to have some kind of advantage. And so you could think of that advantage as kind of a moat around a proverbial castle. And the moat keeps invaders or competitors at bay. And the wider that moat is, the deeper that moat is. And if it's widening, that's even better to keep competitors out and to keep excess returns. So we look for strong competitive advantages. That could be with a differentiated product. It could be with a scale advantage. You could think about network effects. And generally, we think that high moat companies outperform, but that that outperformance becomes much stronger, much greater in recessions. 
And that's probably because more market share is up for grabs and companies with lower competitive advantages could face financial distress as the economy slows and capital markets become more difficult. Thank you. Brad, another key point you made in the presentation is how crucial the role of innovation becomes during this kind of market cycle, and especially with growth companies. Is that right? Yeah, because I think the more exposure to innovation you have, the more that innovation drives your business, the less dependent you are on the economy. So the analogy I like to use is that of a sailboat versus a motorboat. A sailboat may be akin to kind of a more economically dependent type value stock. You think about industrial or financial, like a bank. When the winds of economic growth are blowing, it's great for that business. The sailboat, as it were, glides over the water and everything is nice. But when the winds of economic growth die down, that sailboat would be more listless and have a tougher time getting from point A to point B. Whereas we think of growth stocks as motorboats where they're propelled by not economic winds of growth, but by market share gains. And so we think of that market share gains as a steady motor to help propel the business forward, even if there is no economic growth or little economic growth. And what we found is that over time, no matter what's happening in the economy, there's always areas of innovation that are growing. And so in the most recent pandemic that we lived through, e-commerce grew very strongly, but areas like software grew right through the recession. So you had a lot of software companies, household names that grew double digits during that period where you had a lot of banks, on the other hand, and industrial companies that saw basically the opposite. When you think about what you really need to run your business, obviously you need things like traditional utilities, like electricity, but you also need operating systems to work in your computers and software to keep your business running. Those things are becoming less and less discretionary. And so they're need to haves rather than nice to haves. I think that type of innovation and importance to business can help companies grow through recessions. And which innovations do you think are likely to endure through a possible recession? Areas like electric vehicles or solar. We think they're just coming up the so-called S-curve where industries begin to accelerate their rate of growth. And so there's so much share to gain from, you know, say, electric vehicles within automobiles. So even if automobile purchases and production decline, electric vehicles may gain so much share that they are actually able to grow through the slowdown. Similarly, with solar within energy and artificial intelligence would be another area. Life science tools would be another area. Genomics, automated robotic surgery. We think a lot of those areas can gain share within the economy such that they grow through economic slowdown. Brad, any final thoughts? Well, we all know that it's very hard to time the market. It's hard to predict inflation. It's hard to predict exogenous events in the market and what the Fed will do. But I think at the end of the day, it's important to think about what drives real wealth creation. And in our view, it's not the actions of a central bank. It's not these shorter cycles, you know, the election cycle that a lot of people are focused on this year, every several years, or the central bank cycles or economic cycles. We really think it's longer innovation cycles. We think they happen every 50 years or so. We think we're at the beginning of a new one called the Age of Connected Intelligence, which we've written a lot about. But over the long term, we think stocks are driven by earnings growth, which has averaged around 5% over the past 100 years. And that earnings growth is driven by productivity, which we've seen grow throughout all kinds of economic recessions and depressions. 
we think that productivity is driven by innovation. And we think innovation is actually speeding up, not steady or slowing down. And so we're really bullish over the long term about innovation, productivity, earnings, and hence stock prices. So, you know, if you're trying to time the market, I think you're kind of missing the forest for the trees. And the analogy that I use for this is the 1970s. 1974, 1975 was the last recession that we had that was supply side driven, meaning there was a inflation shock driven by tightness on the supply side, in particular oil. There was an oil embargo in 1973, which is akin to kind of the COVID supply chain disruptions that we've had over the past couple of years. And it was a terrible recession. The market fell around 40% peak to trough. Earnings declined in double digits in real terms. But if you can believe this, that 40% decline in the S&P 500 took the market from around 100 to 60 Today, as we record this, we're kind of in the mid-3,000s on the S&P 500. And earnings, instead of around $7 per share that they were back then, are you know, more like $227 per share. So yes, that 40 points was painful to those investing back then. But today, we routinely move that in a day because there's been so much wealth creation, you wouldn't even notice that which was so painful all those decades ago. And I think when you Look back on this period, investors will have had so much wealth creation that this period, while painful right now, will seem just kind of like a small squiggle on a longer uptrend of profitability and wealth creation that I think that's why investors need to keep focused on the long term. Brad, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Thanks, Alex. Great talking to you. And thank you for listening. To read and download our latest Capital Markets presentation, Navigating a Weakening Economy, And for more of our latest insights, please visit alger.com. The views expressed are the views of Fred Alger Management, LLC, FAM, and its affiliates as of November 2022. These views are subject to change at any time may not represent the views of all portfolio management teams. These views should not be interpreted as a guarantee of the future performance of the markets, any security, or any funds managed by FAM. These views are not meant to provide investment advice and should not be considered a recommendation to purchase or sell securities. Holdings and sector allocations are subject to change. Risk disclosures. Investing in the stock market involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. Growth stocks may be more volatile than other stocks as their prices tend to be higher in relation to their company's earnings and may be more sensitive to market political and economic developments. Local, regional, or global events such as environmental or natural disasters, war, terrorism, pandemics, outbreaks of infectious diseases, and similar public health threats, recessions, or other events could have a significant impact on investments. Active trading may increase transaction costs, brokerage commissions, and taxes, which can lower the return on investment. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. The S&P 500 index is an unmanaged index generally representative of the U.S. stock market. The S&P small cap 600 growth index is an unmanaged index considered representative of small cap growth stocks. The Russell 1000 growth index is an unmanaged index designed to measure the performance of the largest 1000 companies in the Russell 3000 index with higher price to book ratios and higher forecasted growth values. The Russell 3000 index is an unmanaged index considered representative of the U.S. stock market. Russell 3000 growth index is an unmanaged index considered representative of U.S. growth stocks. The indices presented are provided for illustrative purposes, reflect the reinvestment of dividends, and do not assess fees and expenses that would have the effect of reducing returns. Investors cannot invest directly 
directly in any index. The index performance does not represent the returns of any portfolio advised by Fred Alger Management LLC, and actual client results might differ materially than the indices shown. Note that past performance is no guarantee of future results. Comparison to a different index might have materially different results than those shown. Frank Russell Company. Russell is the source and owner of the trademarks, service marks, and copyrights related to the Russell indexes. Russell is a trademark of Frank Russell Company. Neither Russell nor its licensors accept any liability for any errors or omissions in the Russell indexes and or Russell ratings or underlying data, and no party may rely on any Russell indexes and or Russell ratings and or underlying data contained in this communication. No further distribution of Russell data is permitted without Russell's express written consent. Russell does not promote, sponsor, or endorse the content of this communication. Important information for U.S. investors. This material must be accompanied by the most recent fund fact sheets if used in connection with the sale of mutual fund and ETF shares. Fred Alger and Company LLC serves as distributor of the Alger Mutual Funds. Important information for UK and EU investors. This material is directed at investment professionals and qualified investors as defined by MIFID FCA regulations. It is for information purposes only and has been prepared and is made available for the benefit of investors. This material does not constitute an offer or solicitation to any person in any jurisdiction in which it is not authorized to permitted or to anyone who would be an unlawful recipient and is only intended for use by original recipients and addressees. The original recipient is solely responsible for any actions and further distributing this material and should be satisfied in doing so that there is no breach of local legislation or regulation. Certain products may be subject to restrictions with regards to certain persons or in certain countries under national regulations applicable to such persons or countries. Alger Management Limited, Company House Number 8634056, domiciled at 78 Brook Street, London, W1K5EF, UK, is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the distribution of regulated financial products and services. FAM and or Weatherby Capital LLC U.S. Registered Investment Advisors serve as sub-portfolio manager to financial products distributed by Alger Management Limited. Alger Group Holdings LLC, parent company of FAM and Alger Management Limited, FAM, and Fred Alger and Company LLC are not authorized persons for the purposes of the Financial Services and Markets Act 2000 of the United Kingdom, FSMA, and this material has not been approved by an authorized person for the purposes of Section 21.2b of the FSMA. Important information for investors in Israel. This material is provided in Israel only to investors of the type listed in the first schedule of the Securities Law, 1968, the Securities Law, and the Regulation of Investment Advice, Investment Marketing, and Investment Portfolio Management Law, 1995. The fund units will not be sold to investors who are not of the type listed in the first schedule of the Securities Law. Before investing, carefully consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. For prospectus and summary prospectus containing this and other information, or for the fund's most recent month-end performance data, visit alger.com, call 800-992-3863, or consult your financial advisor. Read the prospectus and summary prospectus carefully before investing. Distributor Fred Alger and Company, LLC, member NYSE, Euronext, SIPC, not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value.